You're listening to the Ladylike Podcast. Ladylike is the show where funny women tell disgusting stories. I'm your host, Jenna Gephardt. Our live story comes from Soli Santos, and Soli talked about the terrors of growing up with brothers. This week, I called Lindsay Lucido. Um, Lindsay is a former Chicago comic, and now she's living in New York. And Lindsay and I talked about a horrible MRSA infection that she got on her leg, as well as a boarding school she went to um, in high school that was for troubled teens, and their methods were kind of questionable. Here's Lindsay Lucido. like in high school um I got I was like troubled teen um (laughs) and I got uh sent away to this uh therapeutic wilderness program um and it's essentially a program where like 16 year olds are they're like 21 year olds are in charge of 16 year olds essentially okay and I mean I wasn't (laughs) yeah at 21 I wasn't like ready to be in charge of 16 year olds um, uh, yeah, even at, like, a summer but, camp, it, that seems like a recipe. Sorry. I said even at, like, a summer camp, that seems like a recipe for disaster, but... Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, there were, like, therapists there who were, you know, normal age. But, like, we would be... We would go on these hikes in the desert for, you know, five days straight. We wouldn't see anyone else. It was just, like, <laughs> a bunch of kids, essentially. Um, Wait, where was and, this like, again? This was in Utah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was... Uh, it was interesting like there would be times where we just like couldn't find water and we were like well you know we'll find it eventually just like stuff like that where you were like you'd hope that an adult would be more prepared mm-hmm. um but they were so they were obviously like you know i was there for seven weeks um and so, you know obviously hygiene is very different in the woods um we would have like two pairs of underwear for a week um and we would, like, shower with a water bottle, you know, stuff like that. Um, the amount of, like, rashes and random itchiness that I had was, like, absurd. And I feel like they didn't even ever address it. It was just, like, a normal thing. Everyone had some rash at some It was, like, not even an issue. Um, but there's there's this one time so we had to um, obviously poop and pee in the woods. And you'd also, you know... I, I got my period there um, and if you had to like change your tampon in the middle of the night in the woods it's like I'd have to take my little headlamp and find a spot you'd like dig a two inch hole or something and if you didn't if uh, they found a piece of poop not properly dug in all have to like go and look at it until one minute that we didn't what dig it. yeah it was very weird You'd just be standing around human shit all staring at it together? Yeah, I don't remember if, like, we had to admit it or... Because sometimes I remember all just, like, staring at a poop. And they were like, so? Who who didn't dig this one? Oh, my God. <laughs> no one admit it. Uh, and this, I remember this one time, it was, like, late at night, and I was trying to... I, I pooped and had my period. And I was like... Hell yeah. I, I was, like, trying to take my tampon out, and I lost it, and I was, like... I'm sorry. I just, like, couldn't find my tampon. I didn't know if it was still inside of me, and, like, I just had my, like, tiny little headlamp. I ended up, like, finding it in the dark, but you also had to, like, pack it away. You had to, like, put your dirty tampon in 
little plastic bag and then carry it with me the rest of the way. Oh my god, sorry, I can't, I can't stop sneezing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, that one of, uh, just an example of little things that happened, but I ended up getting this really bad infection while I was there. And I, like, hesitate to tell the story a little bit because it's, like, it's gross, but in a in a different way. It's not like, I shit my pants. Ha, ha, ha. Um, we accept all, it's, it's, all flavors of what? gross. I said we accept yeah. all flavors of gross on the, on the pod, so. Perfect. Yeah, well, when I did this show, I remember people were, like, cringing because of... I'll try to, I'll try to do it in, like, <laughs> I don't know. I think I got an infection um, that started on my leg... And then also it like went on my butt crack as well Uh, (laughs) and just did not get it looked at properly for too long. Um, So I ended up, you know, in the desert with a bunch of 15, 16 and 21 year olds um, with this massive infection. And um, I also I'm diabetic, so I have like all these uh, needles and stuff. that that one of the genius uh, guides decided to like take a needle and like poke op- poke poke my infection open uh, to try to like get the pus out. Um, it was just it, it's funny because they okay well sorry okay sorry I'm like a little all over the place. We when we were like in in the desert um, it got really bad. And it was, like, starting to go into my mouth. Uh, but, like, I had to keep hiking because we were in the middle of the desert. We had to, like, go back to our van. But that was several miles away. Uh, and it started going into my muscle, so it was, like, hard for me to walk. Um, oh so I was just, like, breaking down and, like, I couldn't finish the walk. I had to, like, hold my shorts, you know, like, away from my leg. Uh, Wait, what, was... what did it look like? What What's this infection look like? I mean, so it's, like, it's... It, en- it ended up being MRSA, so it's, it basically looks like a pimple that is, like, like a really bad pimple. that t- It took up, like, half of my thigh, um, and then... But, like, I, so I just, like, swollen and red? Crack. So it's, like, yeah, it's red and swollen. Like, what's it? It yeah, looks like a huge red zit. red and swollen. There's, like, a little, center, like, white spot. Oh, God. Um, yeah. And it's, like hot to the touch but also like touching even just like fabric you know touching it like was excruciating um so it's just like holding my shorts like away from my leg the entire time um and then like they, we were trying to get back to the van you know and I was like we finally got back to the van and that's when the guides decided that they were going to try to like pop it <laughs> which god you know, they definitely did not, they're not trained in that. It, it was MRSA, which is highly infectious, or I don't know if that's the right word, but it spreads very easily. Mm-hmm. So, like, looking back on that, probably not the best idea. They should have waited for, you know, a medical professional. Um, but they, they took one of my needles that I had because I'm diabetic, and they, like, poked it and tried to squeeze. And they knew it was going to be really painful, so they took all the rest of the kids in the van, drove a little bit away, and played music really, really loudly. Because they knew I was going to scream, and they oh didn't my want God. me to like scare all the other kids. Um, so 
they did that and like nothing came out because you know they don't really know what they're doing uh so that was a failed attempt we ended up driving back to like where our base camp was um this was like the middle of utah there was no like doctor's offices that were open for whatever reason so i had to wait like several days i think all in all i probably waited like 10 days from start to finish like until i went to a doctor um and i really wish i had taken a picture because it's it was quite um I feel like I can never, I can't ever portray like how big it was. <laughs> um, and I just like, I want people to know, like, I'm not just exaggerating. <laughs> um, so I ended up going into the doctor and, you know, they had to basically like cut it open and um, squeeze the contents out. And it was like the most painful thing I've ever experienced. Wait, they didn't like, like put you under I, anything? No. No, no, there was no local anesthetic. There was nothing. Um, they said that it was too big to give me any local anesthetic, which is weird because, like, I got a smaller one, or, or I had one, like, later on, and I went to the doctor, and they gave me a local anesthetic, and I was like, yeah, they wouldn't give me one the last time, and they were like, that makes no sense. They should have given you one. Um, I also, and then I also had a few in my butt crack, so I just had to pull down my pants. I was, like, leaning over a table... <laughs> They were, like, splicing up my butt crack. It was embarrassing and painful, and I was screaming. And when I was done, like, I remember I went to the waiting room, and everyone was just staring at me because they knew that I was the one that had been, like, screaming. <laughs> uh, but what what the doctor had to do, too, was there was so much that he couldn't, like, get it all out in one at, at one time. So he, like, he squeezed it and then stuffed cotton in it so that it wouldn't Ugh. close up. Uh, and then I had the doctor like eight more times to get more of it taken out. Um, until it ended up, there was like a literal like crater in my leg from where the infection had like God. taken over or whatever. Um, and now I have like a big scar and like I have no feeling uh, where it was. Um, but I, my, uh, the, the kids in my group were thankful because the doctor, uh, told our group that we weren't allowed to like hike more than a mile a day while I was like recovering so everyone was like loved me uh because we just like, still, hung out all day they're still making you hike around in the desert what this what is this <laughs> he's like I know you told me a little bit about these this like program but like that's so fucked up uh, yeah well okay so I went to like two different programs this one I actually kind of enjoyed but chiller one that a lot of people went to but I like I do get it a little bit it's like getting in touch with like nature and I do have to say that I've since then had like such a greater appreciation for water because like you know I really learned what it was like to be like thirsty and not be able to drink um and like getting water but it not being properly um you call it like filter you had to like put iodine in it, in it you had to stare at this water like an hour and a half until it was ready to drink and it tasted terrible but like it was water so it was like amazing um so i do feel like it gave me a little bit of like appreciation for the basic needs you know i wasn't on facebook or anything yeah i, I wasn't worrying about stuff um 
yeah, it was a weird place. But I know other people who went to similar programs where it was, like, much more intense. Uh, like, in the middle of winter, you know, uh, they had to, like, make fire with sticks and stuff like that. Mine wasn't, like, quite that intense. They gave um, you guys matches. Sorry? I said they gave you matches. <laughs> we had a little um, portable... It's like the little portable stove. I don't remember. It's a little oh. uh, gas, a propane tank. Oh yeah. So we all had like <laughs> we all had our own little one. We all had like food rationed out that we each of us carried around our own food. And and it's funny like if you didn't ration properly, you wouldn't have any food for like the last couple of days. And it was like like other people could give you some, but it, you know it was like well if they don't, that's uh, your responsibility. You didn't ration properly. Wow. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a weird experience. And then I ended up, the last day that I was there, I woke up, like, in the morning feeling really nauseous and, like, ended up going to throw up somewhere in the woods. And um, it's it's interesting because, like, you're, the whole time you're there, everyone's just talking about what, what meal are you going to have when you get out of here? Like, what's the big meal you're going to get? And, like, everyone... Like, know, on death like, row. <laughs> whatever uh and but then I started feeling really sick the day I got released or whatever um and so I my mom like we I stayed at a hotel with my mom for a couple days before I got sent to a different program in Montana but I was like so sick that I didn't want to eat anything and I also couldn't even like get out of bed a bath and my mom said the scent of me was so disgusting and overpowering but like I just didn't have the energy to like take a Right. It was, um, what, wait, what was your, what was your meal going to be though? I, I, I don't remember. I think probably I wasn't a burger person. So probably like chicken nuggets. There were a lot of, it was in Utah. So I think they were like in an ounce there. Is that what it is? Uh, okay. That was like a big thing that everyone talked about eating when we were done. Um, but yeah, I wasn't like, actually on your way, on the way to the program, like they pick you up at the airport with a few kids and you guys like they take you to the base camp and they stop off and it's like you get like your last meal uh essentially did it help the program yeah i okay so i think it did but here's the thing i went in being told that i was gonna be coming home right afterwards and by the end of the program i was like i felt more confident in myself i felt great um, I was like, I'm ready to go home. Uh, and then, like, a week before uh, I finished, they were like, hey, you're actually going to this therapeutic boarding school in Montana instead of going home. Um, so that place, and that place was pretty terrible. It's, like, definitely a cult. Uh, my mom even said it was a mixture between a military school and a cult. Um, did, so, But, so... Did your parents decide you were going to the boarding school, or did, like, the other program want you to go? Um, so, you, okay, it's like a whole, it's a whole industry, the troubled teen industry. If you're, like, ever bored and want to go down a hole in the internet, look up troubled teen industry. Um, usually what happens is when parents, like, don't know what to do with their kids, and they have enough money to do this, they'll, like, hire an educational consultant who's essentially, like, Kind of gets kicked back from program when they prefer 
kids oh. to the programs. So their incentive is always to send kids to programs. Um, it's a whole big money industry. I mean, that's, what, I guess, what industry means. But um, so they like they really try to convince parents to send their, your kids, their kids uh, to another program afterwards. I remember when I, when I first got to the wilderness program, I was like, oh, no, I'm, I'm going home right after this and everyone in the group was like yeah that's what everyone says when they first come here everyone gets sent to a boarding school like trust me you're not going home god that it is i can't remember who i was talking to but they were talking about like um oh i was talking to my roommate but talking about like um rehab facilities and they're like i mean it's they're like private businesses and if there aren't people who are have addiction then they are gonna close so it's like Right. That of course, like yeah, it's like they're not, you know, they don't right. they don't want to like actually fix anybody. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're probably the same people that are like giving out drugs. Like, yeah, come back. There's actually a Dr. Seuss book about that. I'm not. Um, Wait. What is? What's the book? There's uh, actually. Let me Google it. It's about this like scam artist essentially who um, go to a town, and there are two different types of people. The Starbelly have... Sneetches. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah, you're right. Because then he's like, or, I mean, I guess that's not really the same, but. It's about capitalism, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess that is, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's the, actually the, the school that I went to closed down. There's, like, a whole bunch of, like, weirdness around how it closed down they gave staff and students and families two days notice which is like not enough when you have a troubled team that's like halfway across the country or whatever um apparently they were like embezzling money or something christ yeah so it's a just so i had a weird year and a half adolescence do you like are you do you resent your parents for sending you to those programs? I definitely did at first. I think that mm, the older I've gotten, the more I realized. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I call it like a victim of, but like they were essentially a victim of the industry. They, yeah. they didn't know what to do with me. Like I was really like suicidal and depressed, and I just like was refusing to go to school. And they had tried a lot of different things with me like I went to a lot of different like I went to an intensive outpatient program and to like group therapies and family therapies and individual therapies and like nothing was working and you know the industry like preys on parents who really don't have anything they don't know where else to go yeah and they're like they're desperate they're like doing and these programs are like super expensive and most of them like have kids doing work on the campus and like essentially make this run so it's like we're paying this insane amount of money and then also making building things for the school and like helping run the campus and it's like we're paying for child our own child labor <laughs> yeah they'd make you like dig out a stump right <laughs> yes yeah, so, yeah there's uh actually they like did that like a week before i got sent uh, I arrived because like I guess some parent made a complaint about it but there's like this big 
so when you got in trouble, you would, like, get put on a stump, and you'd basically have to dig it out by yourself, and uh, there's this big wall, it was called the stump wall, where, like, everyone, everyone's stump went when they were done digging it out. Oh, my God. That uh, they, they later burned down. We, we have a theory that it was getting rid of the evidence or something. Um, the stump wall burned we, down? Yeah, they, like, oh. purposely burned down the stump wall. Uh, I, I, uh, the, when I got there, the things that we were doing was a lot of, like, digging out snow and breaking ice and, like, building benches and, like, clearing out the forest. We had to, like, we were all, like, responsible for feeding. We had a farm, so we had to, like, feed the animals and clean the poop out and all that. Um, we spent more time doing physical labor than we did taking classes, um, yeah, that's what I was just going to ask you about is, like, are you still, like, learning, like, regular high school curriculum <laughs> during all this um, time? I was, I was actually, I was, like, I went to a school beforehand that was really advanced, so I, I was, I kind of was, like, already advanced, so I did, I mean, you know, they, they taught, they taught, there were some teachers that were good, um, my physics teacher there was really good, but I came in and I needed to, to needed to take calculus, and they didn't have a teacher qualified to teach calculus, so they had to like get someone trained or whatever. And when we did take calculus, it was literally me and two other kids, and we just watched videos of MIT professors. Christ. Yeah, like, but the, I I do certain I do feel like certain classes were good. Um, like my physics, I think was good. I took an econ class that I think was pretty good, but that's about it. But stump class was. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's really where we AP learned. stump um, class. <laughs> <laughs> you did. We did get credit for doing when we worked on the farm. You had everyone had to like work on the farm for at least one semester, and you did get like one credit for that. that you, kind you of... had to like write an essay. Yeah, that got, but that seems like. That seems kind of like a worthwhile thing to learn. Like, yeah, I mean, there were of it that are that are that were cool, and you know, and it's definitely not like a place where I'd say I was miserable like a hundred percent of the time. Um, they were, it, yeah, it was a. Their reasoning behind why I would do things didn't always make sense. Like, like when a student got into. Um, a lot of trouble they some students were taken out of class entirely and just worked outside like seven days a week uh, and they weren't allowed to talk to like any other students um some weren't even allowed to talk to staff except for one um it was uh yeah it's a weird place would you just you would would they tell everyone to like you had to ignore the kid yeah so what would what would happen is um Usually, they were, like, they're called bans, like, B-A-N-S, um, and if you got in trouble, you would either get put on blanket bans, which meant, like, so there was a step system, so it was, like, step zero, one, two, three, four, and five, mm-hmm. and blanket bans meant that you were banned from talking to, like, anyone step three or below, and then there were specific bans, which is, like, you know, banning you from talking to like people who might you might have like a toxic relationship with or someone you've been flirting with or like whatever um so 
you wouldn't always know that you weren't bands from someone until you went to go talk to them and then they all they could say was bands um and you'd be like oh i guess we're on bands now weird and you weren't allowed to like make eye contact with them and like smile at them wave you couldn't do any of that they would like have to sit at a table by themselves in the dining hall <laughs> like if someone wanted to sit with them who they weren't on bands from like they have to get permission from a staff to sit there and you could only talk about like what you had done wrong you weren't allowed to like talk about how yeah. it was i mean that sounds unhelpful but oh yeah for sure <laughs> i'm not a trained medical were, like, professional trained. there was like there were like the individual therapists who were actually therapists but they they just did individual therapy we would have like these staff members put on group therapy where they would like scream at the floor as if it's your mother and like <sighs> uh, it's like weird stuff where we're like does this help we would like there were some I don't remember doing any of these I don't know if I had to do them and I don't remember or if they got rid of them before my time but I heard I hear a bunch of stories of like these there were these like all day workshops we would be put through um and one of the uh one of the like activities if that's the right word for it uh or one of the exercises I guess was like you had to um you were in a group of kids and you guys all had to like they would put up a situation where they were like okay you guys are on a boat and it's starting to sink and you can only save like this many people and you have to choose who's gonna die and so they would make the group decide who was gonna die in the scenario and like I read like one person's wait what wait like of like the people that were sitting like the people around you yes oh my god yeah so it was like they had to make a serious decision of like who of these people do you think is a bad enough person that deserves to die? Um, and in hearing these stories, like, people said it got really serious and intense. And, like, there would be crying and you had to, like, apparently go around, look at a person and either scream, like, live or die. And what the fuck? Just, it's, like, very mentally abusive. God. Um, I don't remember, I don't think I did that one because they might have. As, like, the years, I think more and more people, like, complained about certain things, um, and the school didn't want, like, any trouble, so they sort of phased some stuff out. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm trying to write a pilot about it right now. Yeah, I mean, it's riveting, but it's, like, scary. Yeah, yeah, so it's, like, a whole, it's weird, because it's, like, this whole industry that's, like, actually pretty big. But it's, like, not, it's not, like, really known about, really. Um, but if you, like, there's a whole corner of the internet about it. Wow. Okay, well, should we move to the next part of the podcast, I guess? <laughs> sure. Sorry, was that too long? <laughs> no, 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 that's perfect. So at our live show, we put out slips of paper for the audience to write down their own disgusting ladylike stories, and these are some of those stories, and so here I go. Okay. When I was a kid, I thought that if I swallowed my puke and didn't let it out, that I would keep myself from being sick. After swallowing my puke three times, I couldn't hold it in any longer and sat up and spewed that shit like the exorcist. 
and what my mom called a rainbow fashion, covering most of my room in vomit. <laughs> Filling my backpack and getting in all of my binders and books, my poor mother had to clean it up. <laughs> why was she vomiting in her backpack? No. <laughs> uh, it's like the, why was it? No, I get it. That is, uh, that is wonderfully disgusting. If, I think if you have the, um, if you have the gumption to swallow your own vomit, I say the more power to you. It's, yeah. it's really impressive stuff. I bet she's like, I bet she's like a high powered attorney now. Yeah. <laughs> she's like a bad bitch lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> like what, shoes. at what point in your life did you decide this is what you want to do? And she's like, <laughs> I used to hold in my vomit. <laughs> Although I guess... I haven't seen many, um, I haven't seen many business women at the ladylike shows, if I'm being honest, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, something else, very high-powered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, here's another one. Had anal for the first time after eating a hefty crockpot stew <laughs> and a long drive with no bathroom breaks. Uh, ended up shitting on his dick. What was not good for anyone. Never done anal again. <laughs> I feel like I have questions about that one. Like shitting on a dick while it's inside of you, or right after, like as it's. If I had out, to, you know? if I had to guess, probably right after. Yeah, that um, would make more sense. Cause yeah. I used to think on that anal. I thought that. Wait, like, say that again. Until this year. Say it again. You cut out. I I always thought that doggy style was anal because oh. I was like, you know, you're going from behind. Like I thought that until like this year, or maybe until last year. <laughs> no, technically not. Um, God, I remember. Am I doing this right? Are we commenting on that? Yes, I, the... I don't think you. Okay. Yes. No. This is exactly right. When I was like. When I was, like, a, I think I was, like, a freshman in high school, we had, there's this big, it's called Apple Fest, it's, like, this big festival in my tiny little hometown, and we were, I was, like, walking home from it at night, and this little kid, he must have been, like, in fifth grade, and he, like, ran up to me and my friend, and he was, like, he was, like, they're butt-fucking, they're butt-fucking, <laughs> I was, like, what? And there's this couple that was having sex in the, in the grass behind the gas station, and this little kid and his little, like, his cousins were watching, and then they would run, they would run over and, like, report it to me, so he'd, like, run back and see what's going, and then he'd run back over, and he's like, now he's fucking her in the pussy! Oh my, how old were these kids? He was, I think he was in fifth grade. He was yeah. very little and small. They, I mean, they knew the, the words. That's impressive. I know, they knew the words, but it's like, looking back, I'm like, there's no way they were having anal. They were, they were just Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. They were doing it from behind, and a fifth grader was... Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff or, that's kind of alarming. Or a 23-year-old might think that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's true. It's confusing. There's a lot of moving parts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I've never had sex, so I haven't... I wouldn't know that that's possible, so... Wait, you're not 23 right now, are you? No, 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 I'm 26. I was oh, saying Christ. that when I was 23, I was like, Jesus. I, uh, <laughs> I didn't know, I, I guess, when, until I was 25 or, or 24. I'm 26 now. I'm still a virgin. What's up? I'm going to beat Jeff. <laughs> it's good to have goals. Um, yeah, I think you'd only have one more year, and then you'll, yeah. you'll, you'll, that wouldn't beat him, but you'd tie. 
there's this uh there's this girl in um new york who's 21 or no now she's 22 she uh she was a virgin and and everyone was like what's it like there's another virgin on the scene we were like competing with each other and then she ended up having sex a few months ago and i was like haha you lose (laughs) and i was like or do you lose like i don't know maybe i'm the real loser in this situation that would be the thing when like when you like or I don't want to say an older virgin, but, like, when it's, like, a whole thing, but everybody knows about it, it's, like, then there's all this pressure, because, like, yeah. like, with Jeff, he was, like, now I have to make my big announcement that I had sex, yeah. and it's, like, yeah, I whole... remember when he posted that, yeah, and then he said he retired his virgin material to me, oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure you would want it, but, <laughs> yeah, no, I don't, I don't, a little raunchy, honestly, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Wait, but so, do you, like, are you open to having sex? I can't, are you? Yes. Okay. I have severe anxiety that has made it difficult to oh, have okay. sex. Um, I actually had my first, like, boyfriend. I don't I didn't call him my boyfriend. I don't know what we were. I dated some, a comedian in New York. Oh, I didn't um, know that. Yeah, for like a month. It was like not serious. But it was serious for me because it got very serious for it being like one month. Yeah, that can happen. But we started talking about, like, having sex. We never did it because, again, my anxiety is, like, I don't know. I need to be – I was not comfortable around him to have sex. I've, I've just never, like, met anyone that I'm comfortable enough around. Yeah. Um, so, but it's not, like, a thing where I'm, like, I'm going to wait until I'm married or anything. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Um, okay, well, I have – I have one more story. Okay. Uh, since I have reached my mid-30s, I have experienced incontinence. Recently, while at a restaurant, I sneezed and felt a little pee come out. I tried so hard to hold it in. All of my muscles were clenching, and it all came out. I fully pissed myself in public. <laughs> I took my top off, tied it around my waist, and left in my bra. <laughs> oh, my... Wait, what, did she say she was in a restaurant? Yeah. Oh my god, that's so unfortunate, and that's so early to be experiencing. I mean, unless she had a kid. Yeah, maybe. Because if she had a kid, that would make sense. Um, I uh, uh, I have to wonder though. I think, I think if you'd left the restaurant just uh, having pissed your pants, that would maybe cause like ca- call less attention than t- walking out in your bra. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess well, because you could always spill water on yourself to cover it. Oh yeah. So it's, yeah, I mean, that's much easier to cover. Unless it was a bra that very well could have looked like a crop top. Oh, yeah. Which some of them do. Yeah, if your pants are high enough, anything can be a a crop top, (laughs) even a bra. Exactly. (laughs) Even just, like, little nipple tassels. (laughs) One of my my friends had a story where, like, he, like, shit himself at, after a football game in high school. And so he's, like, in his... He was playing football, and so he's in those, like, really tight little pants that they wear, you know? Those little, yeah. kind of a little number that the football players wear. But, um, so then to hide it up, he just went and, like, sat in a puddle. Like, a muddy puddle. And, and then On purpose. He, yeah. And so then he's like, I fell. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand how so many, like, I mean, he was in high school, but, like, adults shit their pants. Like, so many of my adult friends oh, shit their pants. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I mean, I don't want to point fingers, but I think part of it is... 
the men that I know that do it, I'm like, I think you need to eat better, and you wouldn't have such yeah, uh, yeah loose. Definitely. I mean, I've had like I have some bad. I think I have IBS, but I've always managed to like lose somewhere. Yeah. Um, I I could say nothing. So actually, I was babysitting this four year old once, and she had really bad constipation, and so they were like, they would give her like a lot of fiber and stuff, and I I took her out. It was actually with two kids. It was like a play date. I took them to New Year, um, and there's like that big like splash pad, like water fountain thing that all the kids go. Mm-hmm. And I had her in a bathing suit, and all of a sudden I just hear like, she, so she had been getting all giving all, given all this fiber, right? So her parents were like, just so you know, there might be like a big poop or something. <laughs> and then I hear like this scream, and I was like, oh no, what happened? I, like, run to her, and she's, like, screaming, I pooped! Oh, God. And there's just, like, a huge piece of poop in her bathing suit. And the flies, it was in the summer, right? So the flies start swarming towards her butt. Oh, my God. And she's, like, so embarrassed, but also screaming. And I'm, like, you're not, you're just drawing attention to yourself. <laughs> um, so I had to, like, uh, with this other boy, they were, like, friends from school. And so I have, like, one stroller. I have, I'm holding her up so that, like, trying to, not to let her poop fall out onto the grass. Because it was, like, going to fall out. Because it's, like, this loose little bathing suit that kids wear. Um, I, like, run to the bathroom with, like, two kids and, and, like, a stroller. It was a nightmare. And at Navy Pier, where it's, like, insanely crowded. That, yeah, um, that's the last place you want to shit your pants. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anywhere else in Chicago yeah. would be fine with me. Yeah. <laughs> Our live story comes from Soli Santos, and you can check out um, sketches and stand-up from her on her website, solisantoscomedy.com. This was recorded in December of 2018. Here's Soli Santos. Thanks for sticking around, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Um, I'm a tomboy, okay? Uh, I grew up in a house with three brothers and no sisters, so I was outnumbered. So magnify this tenfold since I also not only grew up in a house with three brothers, but it was a Latino house with a bunch of Puerto Ricans, so that's like living with 40 dudes, okay? There was just so much machismo and testosterone in that house, I had no chance. It's a miracle I didn't grow a goatee while I was 10. (laughs) So I learned that I was outnumbered in uh, various ways, okay? One being um, waking up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom only to fall in the toilet because they hadn't put the seat down and then realizing that they also had not flushed. (laughs) Or going to the bathroom in the middle of the night only to take a seat and realize the seat was completely soaked in piss. Or going to the bathroom in the middle of the night and stepping on piss because they were half asleep and took a piss in the dark so they didn't know that they didn't make it in the bowl. They never got in trouble for that shit. That's how I know I was outnumbered. 
I only sympathize with any female who says that they're the only girl in a house full of boys, especially if they're the youngest, because you don't even have age on your side, okay? I wasn't the youngest, but I knew how it was to be the older, to be older than two out of three of them and still be well aware that there were more of them than me. They loved to tag team against me. Minding my own business, walking through the house and hearing a voice say, get the girl! This would result in me running for my life while being chased into a corner and eventually placed in a headlock. Don't worry, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm hearing bones. It's all right. You don't know what I did to those motherfuckers, okay? <laughs> I had one older brother who was the ringleader of the bunch. He always looked for new and interesting ways to torture not only me, but my two younger brothers. He liked to have a variety on who he wanted to pick on, depending on the day, you know what I mean? My brother was not only good at torturing physically, but psychologically as well. Again, he loved variety, you know? It first began with the most simplistic and basic of tortures, the basic headlock. But brother number one got bored quickly and began other ways of affecting my developmental growth. <laughs> At first, he would dare me to drink horrible concoctions that he, would, that he would make whenever we were assigned to clean the kitchen together after dinner. <laughs> he would grab a dirty glass from the sink and would mix water and leftover food juices, like, like the cooked beans, the juice from the cooked beans and like the oil from the frying pan and mix it all together and, you know, hey, you gotta top that off with a little dollop of palm olive <laughs> to make a nice frothy concoction. Stir it up and dare me to drink it. It would become a back and forth push of which one of us was gonna be the fool to dare to drink. In essence, my brother was the creator of Fear Factor for kids, is basically <laughs> what I'm saying. Only we didn't know that at the time. We could have made millions. With all of that goofing off, it's no wonder it would take us at least two hours to clean the fucking kitchen. <laughs> my mother was pissed. Um, eventually, uh, brother number one decided to up the stakes, you know, because he likes to do that, and uh, find other disgusting ways to torture me. He soon began to pin me down to the ground while dangling spit over my face. He would quickly suck it back into his mouth while threatening me to do something I didn't want to do. It was usually something that would result in my self-harm, so I usually refused. Upon my refusal, he would dangle spit over my face again, but each time he would do it, so it would take longer, and he would dangle it longer, and it would get longer, and then he'd suck it back in, and then he'd take, dangle it back out, and suck it back in, and always try to reassure me by saying, I'm not gonna spit on your face. He would continue the behavior, and then eventually it would snap and land on my face while he'd run away, surprised that it actually happened. He wasn't familiar with gravity, is basically what I'm saying. So um, eventually he got brother number two and three involved in uh, his shenanigans. 
and created other ways, new and exciting ways, like the time brother number one and number two pinned me down while number three was wearing a hot loaded diaper, sat on my forehead with the hopes that something would fall out of the diaper and land on my face. Now this was something that was common for brother number three because back in the day diapers didn't have the elastic bands around the legs like they do now. So things would fall out. When I say things, I mean basically little balls of shit is basically what I'm talking about. We would find them everywhere in the house. We find them everywhere. Sometimes finding them by accidentally stepping on them with my bare feet. I wear socks all the time now. Okay, I wear socks all the time. We would find them smashed into the carpet like melted Hershey's Kisses, okay? So think about that every time you uh, wanna pop a Hershey's Kiss and let it melt in your mouth. Think about that, guys. This would happen so often that brother number three would become embarrassed and hide so we wouldn't make fun of him. Uh, except that never worked in his favor because all we had to do was find the little balls of shit and it was like a little trail and we always found where he was hiding. He was two at the time, so he didn't really think this through. You know what I'm saying? Um, I found my own retaliation um, less disgusting and more in the realm of physical torture, uh, like how I would pin brother number three down and grab his legs and push them towards his ears while he screamed in, in agony. I did this so often that um, he became really flexible and one day I was able to push his feet all the way back behind his head, touch the ground and he smiled at me and said, it doesn't hurt anymore. <laughs> so I stopped that. I think that was no longer effective. But I made him flexible. So flash forward, this is the thing I didn't think about when I was busy retaliating and beating up at least number two and three. While I was busy beating them up when they were little, I didn't take into account that they would grow up and eventually become bigger than me and remember all the things I did to them, okay? So flash forward to two fully grown college dudes beating the shit out of me by punching me in the shoulder and saying, remember that time? So how has this affected me? I'd like to say that I turned out fine. I do comedy. What do you guys think? Just like any kid who has, was on the receiving end of corporal punishment, once grown, who said, I was hit and I'm fine, but constantly get into bar fights, vomiting on people and crying in a corner because nobody likes them, I'm fine. You know what I'm saying? I was one of those kids, I'm fine, we're just roughhousing. But now, as I reflect back, I don't know how fine I turned out. I don't know, because I just think, ask any one of my ex-boyfriends who was on the receiving end of a headlock while me explaining to them that this is how I love. <laughs> explaining to them that wrestling is a form of foreplay and no one has to get hurt. Or licking their eyelids when they're closed. Blowing up their nose until their eyes water. Jumping on top of them while they're relaxing, watching television, or slobbering on the side of their face as a form of affection. The reality was, growing up in a Latino household, male-dominated, where expressing any emotions other than anger was forbidden. Physical aggression was the only way that my brothers and I could really express any type of physical or any type of emotions and feelings that we were processing as little children. So 
I don't blame my brothers. This was an environment that was created by our culture. As an adult, it's something that I have to process and work out on every day. But in the meantime, what I've been busy trying to do is to convince my current boyfriend that sticking my finger up his nose and then trying to stick it in his mouth is the way I love. Thank you guys so much. My name is Toby Thompson. You've been listening to the Ladylike Podcast. I've been here with Lindsay Lucido. I mean, all my social media is just at Lindsay Lucido, which is L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-L-U-C-I-D-O. Um, trying to get famous, you know, so. <laughs> I have TikTok. Jenna knows that. Oh, yeah, I know that. I, you've been getting a lot of followers, here. So, I get the word. I'm Jenna Gephardt, and this podcast has been produced by me. If you'd like to check out our live show, it happens every third Monday of the month at Cafe Mustache in Logan Square. The live show is produced by myself, Lucia Whalen, and Elise Fernandez. And the theme song is from Natalie Grace Alford. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And please rate and subscribe this podcast, and we'll see you next week.